Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you have done Hello and good evening. Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now and Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria Kelly and I'm your host for the evening and my co-host is Annie. We are on stand number 3162. I am excited to introduce to you our special guest this evening. However, first, We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, or CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3162. If you'd like to be part of the panel this evening, please call 646-595-2118. And my co-host will meet you on the back line and ask if you'd like to ask a question or have anything to say, comment to our, uh, we'd love to have you join us and support our guests. And our guest this evening is Sheree White um, from Covington, Texas, an anti-bullying advocate and author of three books, uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those enduring the same abuse today. In sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human predator prey dynamic and a battle for my dignity, safety, in my very soul. Um, at first, she took physical beating, name calling, and, and abuse. Cherie was a victim of what is called poly victimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always made the awful to an angry and bitter girl who made only C's and B's. Who could concentrate on schoolwork, she asked. Cherie attempted suicide at the age of 14. Because I felt powerless, I began to those who were even weaker than me in attempt to grab back some of my power. In these episodes, we welcome various calls, survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and later variety of topics suggested by our column participants. Their trauma-informed 
perspective as a survivor professional as well. Them guide discussions on issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality. That's bringing some questions to topics. Brought to you by our listeners. Everyone is invited to engage in tonight's show. And please visit the NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A org website for a whole bunch more information. Um, I also want to say April is a Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month and also Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. Again, the call-in number is 646-595-2118, and you can call in uh, anytime and uh, come and spend some time with us. Okay, Sheree, you're up. You've been on here before, and we want to welcome you back. And uh, well, your show, so if you just want to start, that'd be well, thank you so much. I uh, Before we go on, I want to apologize for my absence last month. Um, I was uh, on my way home. There was, a, there was an accident on the interstate, and I was installed traffic for two hours, so I didn't get home in time to do the show. Oh. But uh, I'm glad also, you're okay. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Uh, well, it didn't involve me. The accident happened way no. ahead of me, but I just got caught in the yeah, trap. You could have been if you'd have been a little bit earlier. You never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's that's true. It, yeah. it involved a tanker truck. So. Oh my. Oh, my. Yeah. Ooh. So. It, it was bad. Well, we're, we're, uh, we're glad we're back tonight. Now we. Um, are really looking forward to hearing um, more about your story and what's been going on with you. I I appreciate it. Also pray for uh, my community in West Tennessee. We had a tornado go through an ES3 uh, through West Tennessee, and it did a lot of devastation. Uh, Thank goodness it missed us, and it missed my mom by less than a mile. But... It, there's a lot of there was one death, and there's a, a lot of people lost their homes, lost everything they had. A lot of businesses were destroyed. Uh, it happened in Covington, Tennessee. So just pray for the people that were harmed mm-hmm. by this storm. Definitely, definitely. Um. Well. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, uh, also I also mentioned that we have um. We have this Blog Talk Radio show um, Monday through uh, Friday night, same time. And we have three Zoom meetings, which are peer support groups, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And uh, um, we're getting um, ready to uh, put out another newsletter. And you can go to the NASCAR website as well and sign up for the newsletter. And there's a lot of information on there. And I also would like to prayer, too, in positive energy. I've been really sick for, like, about two months. And um, I'm seeing a couple doctors now that, and some different um, dietitians and things like that. So hopefully, I haven't been uh, making a lot of appointments. I've been having to do a lot of meetings at home and stuff. So I'm hoping to feel better soon. <laughs> well, we'll That's definitely pray for you, Victoria. Yeah, to do with my stomach and my I have uh, um, uh, real bad uh, GI problems, and then I also have. Uh, stage three kidney failure. So, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that, and we will definitely pray for your 
for your healing and recovery. Thank you. So what do you got for us tonight? Well, I I wanted to talk about uh, uh, the importance of confidence, especially when uh, people are bullying you. Um, You know, your confidence is, it it can serve as a buffer to, to real, uh, to uh, verbal abuse, it can buffer it, it. Your confidence can serve as a buffer to all of that, where it doesn't affect you as much. Now, that confidence can be worn down. That's why I wanted to. I can't stress this enough. You you have to do whatever you can to maintain your confidence because that's like your invisible barrier that that mm-hmm. buffers any attack that bullies and abusers launch at you. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is, uh, if you say, uh, for example, if you're bullied in school, uh, make friends outside of the school environment. It, uh, scout meetings. If you got, if if you're a scout and you ha- you have scout meetings, you can make friends that way. You can join a martial arts course and make friends through your martial arts class. Uh, you can join. There's so many extra curricular activities that you can join, and you can make friends that way. And once you do that, then you can go to school, and the bullying, it, it, it won't seem as bad because you know you've got friends outside of the bullying environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, m- maybe you're a lot of bullied at parents, home. Uh, parents, yeah, um, are not um, providing education to kids that say if this does happen. Um, I know that when, um, you know, um, some kids say you know, they went home and told their parents and they were like, well, just hit them back or, you know, or... Um, or, you know, sticking stones may break your bones and names will ever hurt you. And I kept hearing that all the time. And uh, they right. do. <laughs> and, uh, um, that they do. Big part of this, too. Right. Well, you know, as far as verbal abuse or even physical abuse, um, I was always taught, and I, and I believe, I truly believe, don't start it. But if if the bully verbally attacks you, then respond in kind and tell them, basically give them the message that you are not going to put up with that. If a bully physically attacks you, you are well within your rights to haul off and hit them back. To defend yourself, right. Exactly. But, you know, violence should be used only in self-defense. My parents always told me, don't you dare start anything, but if they hit you first, finish it. Yeah. Defend yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I know, my grandchild took self-defense, and that was one thing that, you know, was tough. But, you know, you don't just go out and use it to, like, beat up on people. You know, um, it is self-defense. You know, I think it was uh, karate. And, uh, right. Yeah. And my son, I know, was in... Um, wrestling and they they told him if you're mad we don't even go out there and wrestle you know it's a sport um right 
you know, trying different moves or whatever. And he says, I can't believe you won't let me go out there but I'm mad at, you know, and get mad at the other person. And I said, well, let's think about it for a while, you know, <laughs> think about it for a while. So we kind of talked about it. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it's a proven fact that if you don't defend yourself, if you just stay, stand there and take it, it's it's not going to do your self-esteem any good. If anything, it's going to tear it down because yeah. of the fact that you did not do anything to defend yourself. When you defend yourself, even in a verbal altercation, if you, you know, tell them to, to step off or, you know, say mm-hmm. something, just tell them to step yeah. off. If it ain't, you know, all you have to do is tell them to buzz off or, you know, yeah. you know, tell them, do you know how stupid that sounds? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it it works wonders for your self-esteem yeah. when you stand up well, for I yourself. I know I can do anything about it because I was, like, beaten down into passivity um, growing up. Right. So, you know, I was never taught how to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, when I said stop or no or whatever, <laughs> It was totally, you know, you have no rights. You're, you know, the adults are always right or, you know, the person that, whoever, I was always wrong, <laughs> you know. And I right. I didn't learn how to say no and I didn't learn how to say this is not okay. I never learned that, you know. So I was very passive and I didn't feel I had any way to, you know, respond. And until I met this girl, I don't know if fifth, sixth grade or something. She said, with kindness. I said, what are you talking about? So, well, when they say something really mean to you, would say, you know, I really hope you have a good day. You know, that's really sad that you feel that way, but you have a really good day. And I started doing that and people stopped because they couldn't get me anymore. You know, they weren't getting me as far as getting my, uh, my anger up, my fear or whatever it was they were trying to go for. Because I usually didn't react in anger put my head down and, you know, try to avoid it. You see, in my situation, I uh, I did defend myself, but the next thing you knew, it, I mean, this was a small town, and if I defended myself against one, then I would have like five of their friends uh, waiting to beat me up the next day for beating up their friend because he was a bully. So, right. you know, in small towns like that, you know, you know, after so long, I was beaten down. And I was, you know, I mm-hmm. went through a period to where where I was very withdrawn, wouldn't talk to anybody, wouldn't even look at anybody. Yeah. But, My mom you know, was that, that way too. The, she changed schools all the time. So when she got to a new school, she said she started it. When she started going, you know, because they moved around all the time. And uh, she said, well, she got to a new school. Uh, one day she just decided, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be bullied anymore. So she would just started out with, this is who I am. And basically, I'm the bully, you know. And that's just how she felt she had to protect herself. Felt right. that was the only way. She uh, later in life only saw two, two choices, either victim or user. And that's how she lived the rest of her life out, unfortunately. She never wanted to be another victim, so she continued to abuse us. Wow. You know, that happens, too, sometimes. Uh, When I got up in high school, 
I became a bully because I was being bullied. And I felt like it was the only way I could uh, I could protect myself just to get them before they got me. And yep. it really wasn't the right way to handle it. Well, but we don't get by, it just <laughs> right. Well, see, I it, physical abuse I was told to hit back, but verbal abuse I was told to ignore it. And, you know, most of the time I did, but the thing is when you ignore them, they, uh, they, they take it that you're scared of them if you don't say anything back to them. Or they get angry because they know you're ignoring them and they want to get you even more. So I, I found out, you know, through trial and error, the best way to handle it is to, you know, tell them to screw off or, <laughs> or you know, yeah. just tell them to get lost. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to and, give give a lot more education about how to treat each other. You know, to be just respectful to each other, and and to let kids know that if things are happening, they can go to a teacher or counselor. If you do that before, they would they'd slough it up too a lot of times. The teachers right. and the counselor parents and the the parents of the kids that were doing it, you know, or, you know, the one that got beat up, the parent would go over and beat up that parent. It was just, you know, it, it's not a whole lot of sense and all, but. Right. So do you think it's coming further along in that, or do you think it's a lot of the same thing? Uh, honestly, I think it's getting worse. I think it's getting worse because over the years, and, you know, the last few generations, you know, people have been taught not to, you know, they've been, they've been trained not to defend themselves. You know, mm-hmm. in the schools, you know, a bully will hit you first and then you hit back. Schools will either suspend both of you or they will suspend yeah. the target because the bully, uh, most bullies, are real good at fooling people, and they're real right. good at fame victimhood. Very manipulative. And they're real good uh-huh. at gaslighting. And yep. you know, a lot of times the bully will will get get let off the hook, and the target will get blamed. Uh, another thing, it, it, it's not just that bullies are are very convincing liars. Uh, a lot of bullies come from very prominent families. They come from, they have connections. But in small towns, there's a lot of nepotism that goes on. And um, mm-hmm. so they also get off like that. Mm-hmm. So basically, in, in being punished, uh, the target is being brainwashed be, the, the unwritten message is that it's not okay to defend yourself. That you're just supposed to stand there and take it. But no, well, and that, that's, that's not true. true. You're that's not the only ones that the ones that are coming forward are the friends of the ones that are that are doing the abuse. Right. Like, you know, yeah. exactly. Bullies tend to hang or run around in packs. You know, you don't. You'll never see a bully alone. 
They're, they've always got their little entourage with them. And so, I mean, what do you do? You've got five, six people, and you've got this bully in your face, and you've got, you've got five friends behind them. I mean, what do you do? I don't know if you're breaking up on your end or my end here, but I'm having, I can't hear you right now. Annie, are you there? I am so sorry I didn't hear you say Annie. I hear. I'm yeah. sorry, Victoria. No, 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 no. I, I would, it was breaking up. I wasn't sure if it was on my end or my phone's been messing up, so I just want to make sure that everybody could hear. Great. Oh, Cherie just dropped, so she must have broken up. Yeah, she she must have been having some problems because she was breaking up when she was talking. So I'm sure she'll be calling back, so make sure. Okay, yeah, get her I'll back let her back in. in. Yeah. 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 Okay, here she is. I'll put her back in. Awesome. Hi, Cherie. Welcome back. Yay. Yeah. I got, we got disconnected. Yeah, Are you, you were, there? Um, um, yeah, you were um, going in and out. Oh, we don't have a lot of re- we don't have real good accept- reception here. So, um, oh yeah, where was I when when I disappeared? Um, well, we were kind of talking about um, the the. Um, Bullies, um, a lot of times being manipulative and getting out of getting punished, and they usually end up suspending the one that fights back. And then we were talking about right. how they, they said that they go in packs, that they're usually in packs. I think that's where we're at. Absolutely. Uh, bullies always, uh, as I was saying a while ago before we got disconnected, bullies always run in packs. And, uh, but it goes to show you what cowards they are. And it also goes to show you that just maybe they've bullied so many people in the past before you ever came along that maybe they're scared of being by themselves. So they have to have these wingmen behind them. Same what with do you biker think? gangs. <laughs> Same with biker gangs right. and gangs. They always run a Absolutely. that. And then, you know, then they uh, they threaten each other too, you know, not just other people, but the other people in the, quote, group <laughs> are afraid right. that they're going to be a target. They don't go along with, yeah, yeah, that's all those. Yeah, there's those there's definitely a pecking mm-hmm. order in those groups. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of times if uh, if the target is not available, then they will find a backup target to bully. Or... If there's if there are no targets outside of the group, they'll start eating their own. Oh yeah, yep, they will. Yeah, yeah, I know because some but people under- think if they move away, if they move away, it'll change things, you know. And uh, you know, a lot of people end up, you know, just like I always said, you know, I try to get away from my problems. The problem is that I kept bringing myself, <laughs> you know, but. Right. You know, the thing is that, you know, no matter if I would have moved away, I'm sure wherever I went would have been the same situation because I still didn't have the tools to deal with it. 
You know, right. and my family and the school sure wasn't giving me no tools. <laughs> and nobody else was because right. I really didn't have any friends, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason why, you know, I, I've done a lot of, I've done 25, 26 years of, uh, shoot, almost 30 years of reading about bullying and researching. And with bullies, uh, the reason why they they try to, they have to find a backup target to bully when their primary target isn't available is that bullies thrive on control and domination. You know, they cannot, they can't go without, it's like a drug to them. They can't go without that power rush of having domination over someone. Uh, it's right. uh, To them, it's about subjugation. Right. It's about power and control like domestic violence. And, mm-hmm. Right, it's 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 yeah. all about power and control over another human being. Yeah, and I know, like in abusive relationships, domestic violence, things like that. You know, you leave you leave the abuser, and that abuser goes and finds another victim. Uh, Either you know, that, or they come up. after you. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, or they continue Either. to come after you. A lot of them are just like you know, if I can't have you, nobody will. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, because my there are school bullies have more way to get victims than than uh, uh, child childhood in school. Once that child moves away, like you said, then they have to find a new victim. Absolutely. And uh, I know there's uh, when I moved to my new school, uh, the bullies from the old school actually got in the car and drove thirty miles to my new oh. school and wanted to know wow. where I was where I lived. Wow. Not only that, mm. when they found out I was leaving the day that I left mm. and they found out about it, when I went to turn in my books, you uh-huh. could see the look on their faces. I mean, some some they were angry. I mean they were angry that I was leaving. And yeah. you know, back then I didn't understand it. I mean, shoot, I thought, well, heck, uh, they said they wanted me gone. And, well, I'm right. leaving. And Why aren't they happy? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, why are they angry? So weird. Especially when it, you're looking at your kid's eyes. It's hard to, you know, like you said, you've been studying it this long. And, yeah, it makes sense because adults for us. But, geez, we were, this was nice what's going on, you know. And we thought with kids' right. minds, and, you know, look through our kids' eyes. I didn't have, Absolutely. for me, I didn't have full instruction, no, no support, you know. Annie, are you there? Do you Why? have uh, any feedback or does um, our other caller? We have Phil on the line. Um, let me let me activate him. Hello, girls. Hello, Phil. Hello. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. How are you? Pretty good. I'm about to go to an NA meeting. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I'm in a today. Yep, sure are. I've been bullied before. 
And it's a hard thing to deal with. So why don't you tell us your story? About the bullies? Yeah. Well, one time when I was, like, probably 12, I was at church with my family. And one of my so-called friends slammed my head up against the wall for no reason at all. And then my Mm -hmm. parents used to bully me a little bit, and so did my siblings. I'm sorry to hear that. That's the first time I've told anybody. Wow. It means a lot. You know, with yeah, I can understand that because when you're bullied, you know, there's a degree of shame that comes with that. Because this is why you're silent about it. Um, When you, if you tell. Targets are afraid that if they tell others about the bullying they suffer, they're afraid that they may come off as weak. And it, they're afraid it may exacerbate it. So or they'll be bull- that's part of the reason that they're silent. Another reason is that the bullies, uh, they're afraid that the bullies will punish them for opening their mouth about it. I see. I see. How did that make you feel when that happened? I mean, how did you deal with it and how did that make you feel? It made me feel very shameful for some reason. Very shameful. It's understandable. Uh, did you have any outlets uh, to deal with it? Did you have any hobbies that you uh, poured yourself into, like uh, music, writing, no, not really. uh, So no. basically you just coped with it by being silent. Yes. And then you yes. said you were kind of bullied at home as well? So Especially by um, my dad and my sisters. Mm-hmm. My dad and my sisters were notorious for that. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Now, we were talking about that earlier, that when, for me, when that happened, you know, when I was put down all the time and stuff, I wasn't really given the tools growing up to, to you know, protect myself or, you know, believe that I deserved to be treated well, because I wasn't being treated well at home and by the people in my life. It's really sad that that we had to go through that, you know, and I'm right. really that that What's your name? My name's Victoria. My name's Sheree. Hello. Hello, Sheree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we've also got Annie on. I'm Victoria. I'm the I'm Victoria. I'm the host, and I'm also the Minnesota ambassador for NASCA. And I was telling earlier that we have a peer support group which we talk about these things, about um, uh, child abuse, neglect, and, um, you know, and this falls under it's bullying. Um, we talk about that in the support group. It's a peer support group. None of us are professionals. And, um, you know, and it's amazing how much things happen to you as a kid. It, it brings, it comes into your daily life, you know. And, and so yeah. we talk about it and, you know, talk about our daily life and how we can, you know, take better care of ourselves and kind of get out of that 
that place we might be stuck in, you know, even the mindset of, you know, I don't deserve to be treated well. Where is the parent support group? Um, it's on Zoom, and if you go to nasca.org, n-a-a-s-c-a.org, um, you can see the Zoom ID numbers right on there. So you just you download Zoom or whatever you do with Zoom, and then you just you can sign in, and you don't have to show your picture. You can put any name in there that you want. Um, it's totally anonymous if you want it to be, um, and it's just kind of a drop-in thing. It's um, I don't know what your guys' time is, but for me, it's it's a, uh, an hour and a half. It's from 1 o'clock to 2.30 Central Time. Like I said, I'm in Minnesota. and uh, But you can go on the website. And then also, under the, under the ambassadors, we have ambassadors um, for regions and states and stuff that you can call and talk to people. Anybody can call me. I'm on there. And my number is 763-703-0439. And if you just want to reach out and talk to somebody and Bill Murray, the founder, his number on there. There's um, just a whole bunch of great people. Ask has been going on for uh, 15 years, and Bill was having his court groups at his house, and then COVID hit, so he's doing Zooms, and now we got people all over the world that come. So it's just, it's amazing. you know, I think COVID made us think outside the box. <laughs> so I can go because he's he was in California, you know. Of course, I couldn't go to California <laughs> once a week, <laughs> but I can go on Zoom. And you're more oh, than right. welcome to come. Uh huh. Yeah, is the Zoom thing is that a new? Is that new? Um, it's been going on for a little. Well, I think I think uh, just shortly after COVID hit, it's we got it going. I, I had no idea. I honestly mm-hmm. didn't. That's, yeah, that's why I try to keep you know bringing it up on on the Blog Talk Radio show because there's so much information on NASCA. Um, there's information for parents and how to talk to kids, you know, about body safety and good, bad touch or what to do. And there's a video on there. There's just a whole bunch of information. And uh, right. like I said, there's, you know, there's contact information. There's links to other places. And the newsletter went out for uh, two years. So my girlfriend, who was also a NASCA member, Emiana, and myself are working on the newsletter. And then we're going to um, try to do some uh, submissions from some of our members, you know. And the only thing you have to do to be a NASCA member is say you're a NASCA member. And then if you want to be a NASCA family member, you know, I couldn't pick my own family of origin, but I picked the NASCA family as my family. And I have. <laughs> and anyone can. So I'd like to be welcome to the family. <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know, you... you... You can have a non-blood family. Absolutely. My my non-blood family is tighter than my biological family. Right. And I think that I think that happens in a lot of cases, you know, when people are abused and bullied. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I was lucky. I was lucky in that uh, I have a very close-knit family, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who did not, and my heart goes out to them. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got I sober, I had, I had to stay away from my family because they were so toxic, and I was getting healthier, and they didn't like it. Matter of fact, I started, you know, setting boundaries, and they're like, 
what's wrong with you? And I said, well, you know, I'm learning how to set boundaries. I didn't know what a boundary was, you know. <laughs> I'm learning how to set boundaries and I'm this and that, you know. And they're like, well, we don't like this new you. And I'm thinking, of course you don't, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you can't manipulate me like you did. And I didn't think I would say that, but I just realized for my own mental health, I just couldn't around them. I had to turn away from all that negativity and go toward where the support was. And that's still what I do today. But I have to remind myself I have choices today. You know, and if I'm filling my life up with negative people that are just digging me down, um, that's not good for my mental health. You know, so if I'm spending all the time with negative relationships, if I end them, I've got a lot of energy for positive relationships. So I go toward, you know, healthier relationships. Not like everybody, nobody's perfect. And, you know, we all have, you know, we all come in with a lot of issues into the groups, but... You know, um, I always say, let's look at our commonalities rather than our differences. And we don't compare stories. You know, we are all abused and none of it should ever happen. We're all abused as kids and none of it should ever happen ever. You know, and that's where NASCA comes from, that stand. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Well, I started working in 1985 with uh, battered women and sexual assault victims, and then I joined a group um, called Whisper Women Hurt and Systems of Prostitution Engaged in Revolt, like we had been in. <laughs> and uh, um, I didn't start talking about my sexual youth until I met Bill, you know, 11, 12 years ago, and uh, because I didn't escape till I was 21, and I had a six-month-old daughter, not from my biological father. He kept coming into my life and out of my life. And... Uh, I never talked about it because I even had psychiatrists say, well, you must have enjoyed it or you wouldn't have kept going back and you wouldn't have stayed so long. You know, so blame, shame. I wasn't going to tell anybody else, you know, until I talked to Bill and uh, ended up coming on the show and telling my story, which anybody that's listening, um, if you're an adult survivor or child abuse, um, we'd love to have you as a guest. And again, go on NASCA and there's there's a place to um, um, write to somebody that, that sets up our guests. I mean, you know, it's, we're very gentle people and we, you know, you want to share what you want. And if anybody asks you a question, you don't want to answer, you just don't have to, you know, but people are, are very respectful on, on the radio show and everything. Well, that is wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, know that we do care about you. Yeah. And, uh, we want we want nothing but your good, your happiness, and your health. Yeah. And for all the survivors out there, you know, I started uh, my recovery in, uh, um, from drugs and alcohol um, when I was 24 years old, and I'm 61 now. And uh, so right now I have 36 Yay. years of sobriety. But Yay. as I say, that is awesome. Well, all I really have is this moment, you know, that's all any of us really have. And, you know, wow. every moment I decide whether or not I'm going to pick up. I went through stage four breast cancer, was told untreatable and operable. I went through stage four kidney failure, better to stage three. Um, I'm struggling with all kinds of health issues, mental health issues, and, you know, lived on this homeless and um, nursing homes and in uh, psych wards and all kinds of places, and, you know, if I got kicked out of the last place, like they tried to, it would have been my 20th time homeless. 
and I've got two women that are writing my story and uh, that um, they're working on with the publisher right now to get my story go out, you know. And uh, I've been interviewed on YouTube. There's a lot of things going on right now in my life that, and I just got into a house, which I've never had in my own house, family of stability. And uh, my son helped me get wow. in here, and I told him, I never felt better physically, emotionally, or spiritually in my whole entire life. He said, really, Mom? I said, yeah, I have stability, something I, I never, ever had. And it's like, wow, Mom, that's so good to hear. All right, I'm going into the living room, so if we get cut off, mm-hmm. know that I didn't yeah. hang up. Right, right. So and then Phil, let's are you the TV there? off. My, my husband's mm-hmm. got to go to bed early because he's got to get up at 3.30 mm-hmm. in the morning. Oh, oh my goodness. My. Wow. So we're switching places. Yeah. Here, let me <laughs> just cut the TV off. So are you still with us, Phil? Yes. Do we have any still more here. comments? Or would you like to join the discussion um, or any? I might be a guest one day if that's okay. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Wow, great. <laughs> you have a pen because you could write down my number and I could give you more information. Um, I have the notes on my cell phone. Okay, either that or you can also um, go on the website and um, right under where it says uh, Blog Talk Radio Show and the information, it's got an email. You can email, I want to say, I'm not sure who the woman is who's doing it right now. Or you can um, get a hold of Bill Murray. He's on there. He's also on Facebook, too. But it's William Murray. I call him Bill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. My story might not take up the whole show like others. Well, it won't be that long, I guess. I don't know. I'm just like stretch it out somehow. <laughs> well, we usually, you know, uh, help people along to tell their story. Usually we people talk for about 15 minutes, and then um, we break. So we can ask questions, or people sometimes comment on their own story, what, what that brought up to them. And then we kind of go in the middle of yours, and then kind of what you're doing now, you know, so we kind of break it up into and uh, I know I do a lot. I do speaking for AA and L and on and stuff. And I always say I I break mine up into three parts: four parts, experience, strengths, and hope. <laughs> That's how I usually. Do you mind if I copy you? Experience, strength, and hope. Mhm. Okay. What it was like, what it's like now, and you know how I cope every day. Oh, I stay sober every day, you know. I still go to meetings and, you know, I call my sponsor and I sponsor people. And I do meditation, which is just for me, praying is asking higher power for wisdom. And uh, meditation is just listening for the answer. And I just have to keep myself quiet long enough to find a place in my yard or somewhere that I can just go to just nothing going on, you know. (laughs) Go for a walk. Do some artwork. I see. Mm-hmm. But NASCA is very, very. One of the things about NASCA is uh, that we want people to come on and you know, t- 
tell those stories because it's, you know, um, at least for me, I, I lived in silence for so long. And uh, to break that silence was, was so important for me um, because it not only helped me, but it helped the people that listen to my story know that there's hope for them, you know, that, that we can survive and we can survive together. We don't have to ever do it alone again. Because That's we have right. Each other. You know, everyone on here is survivor, so this is this is the place to come uh, to Nazca, and uh, you know, to call people that are on that. We wouldn't put our name on there if we didn't want phone calls. Just anybody who's listening, you know, um, that's why our names are on there. Because we were given something and we just want to give back, you know, just like just like I do in AA and Al Anon and with you know all the other issues I've been dealing with. Right. No, we're not professionals. We're just not just. Don't put just in front of survivors. We are survivors. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Annie, are you still there? I am. Would you like to join in? Would you like to join in the conversation? Well, well you know, the I feel... Like I've been bullied today, as you know, we said offline that um, I was um, hacked. And so I'm feeling like a victim of a bully right now, and I'm feeling helpless and ashamed of myself and um, afraid. You want to explain and a I'm little not, bit about? I'm what? not really sure what to do to make myself come. Back to normal. You want to explain? You want to explain what happened? To, yes, I, so I, I received an email from PayPal saying that there was a charge, which I never made. And I called the phone number on it. It wasn't PayPal; it was a hacker. And I gave them access to my computer because that's what I always do when I call for help. I, you know, when they fix stuff or like Quicken. Anyway, I've done it before, but anyway, so they got access to my computer. So I had to call on my two banks and my credit card to close them all up so they couldn't go anywhere. And then I had to send my computer to the computer shop to erase anything they did. So and I just I just feel so scared. I feel like somebody's going to get me. Oh, my goodness, that happened to me just a few days ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. That same thing, I got an email from PayPal, or or it looked like it was from PayPal, and I called the number on it. But what happened was, uh, anyway, I, I called the number, and I gave the guy access to my computer. Yeah. And... He told he told me to uh, go to um, Google Chrome and then go into incognito mode. And then he hmm. said to type in these numbers, and I did. I thought I was talking to a PayPal rep. Yeah. And, and then he told me, okay, uh, I'm going to give you these numbers, and I want you to repeat it back to me. And so... I, uh, he was he was going to text me the numbers. He he texted me the numbers. But when I went to my text messages, 
I saw that the the numbers was texted from Amazon. He wanted me to repeat, tell him the numbers. It came from Amazon, and that was a huge wow. red flag to me. Yeah. And so I shut my computer down right off the bat because he kept saying, don't, don't turn your computer off. Well, I turned that sucker off, and then I hung up on him. You might have been able to get some of your information. That's why Annie said she called the bank and some other places. I called had, my bank. You know, okay, good. Right, um, I called my, my bank. Son, my son is in computers. My son is in IT and all that kind of stuff. And I give him access. But he said, Mother, do not ever give anybody access no matter what unless you know them, but you know me. <laughs> he said, because there should be nobody having access to your computer. And... There are places you can report, and I think you need to report it, in my opinion, because they're, they're, they are scammers, and um, whatever information you can give, um, you can forward the emails. Uh, we can figure out who to contact and everything, because um, this FBI. is not just happening. And don't feel, yeah, and don't, don't feel any kind of shame or, you know, these people are, what they do you know they target right. people and they can they can uh, make it look like it's coming from that website they can copy their heading and everything else and make it look just like ebay or make it look just like paypal or whatever and you know there should be nobody emailing you and saying give me access to your computer never Right. Ever. I've done it like when they couldn't get Quicken to work, you know. I've given the Quicken mm-hmm. people access. Probably shouldn't have, but I did. Well, be very careful. Very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Right. But like I said, your, well, son, see, I, your son said that you um, should have done that, whatever. But, you know, if you ever get an email like that, have somebody else look at it that, you know, knows what what's going on yeah. or, you know, yeah, call call somebody, but you shouldn't be getting emails from anybody. If you've called a company and they're trying to fix a problem for you, that's different. But nobody should have access to your computer because that's got all your passwords and they can find all your passwords and everything. Yep. Nobody should have yep. access to your computer ever. Right. The reason I, uh, because I messed it up. Now, if you brought it in to a computer place, you might have to give them access, but they are on a contract not to violate anything, you know? Right. And that's different. I'm well, going to change all my, my passwords if I can see, remember. See, I had to change all mine, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you mm-hmm. remember all yeah. your, all where to go? Is there like a list of everywhere I have a password? Well, see, I yeah, keep there's a, a password book. Passwords. Yeah, but there's a place on your computer where passwords are stored as well. Okay, so that I know who to go to to change it, because I don't even know what I have passwords. Yeah, because I went in there, and then you hit hit all the little I's, letter I, but there's I's, and you click all of them, Uh and then what I did, I clicked all of them, and I printed them out, all my passwords out. And then when it says, do you want your passwords, I always put no from now on. I don't let my computer member passwords anymore. I used to, right. but I too am afraid of being hacked. 
So I just say, no, don't remember my password. That's what I'll do. Well, see, yeah. I, uh, I, I shut my computer off before he had a chance to... Uh, yeah. And the and reason why I know this is because he tried to call me back. Yep. This guy yep. tried to and call me back twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And then I called my brother. When you yeah. My brother is in IT, and I called him and told him everything that happened. And uh, he said, well, it, I think it was a good thing you shut your computer off in the middle yep. of that session. I did the same. As soon yeah. as I yeah. realized it wasn't PayPal, I, I turned off the mm. machine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How far did you get into it? A lot, a lot far away. They they were in my bank account. Well, see, he only he he only got my Amazon account, and when I went yeah. to Amazon and saw that I saw that he had tried to buy a video game gift card. Oh my god. Hmm. Wow. And it and of course I don't do online banking. So that's a plus. Yeah. Yeah, because but, I noticed uh, when I went on a couple of things, it stored it stored my um debit card. So if yeah, I have right. my Walmart account, it stores my credit card. <laughs> Right. So I don't like apps. You know, to me, they're four-letter words. Kids <laughs> go, just use the app. I go, it's a four-letter word. I don't use apps. <laughs> you can tell me to use the app. <laughs> so we kind of got a little off topic, but um, but well, I know when you started, you said um, you feel like you've been victimized again, and because I know that the the bullying thing came up, so maybe we could kind of tie it together there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I think what how they persuaded me to do things, that was bullying. And like mm-hmm. at one point, the, gods, the guy said something like, no, I know you want to help me, don't you? And I felt bullied by that, you know, like a salesperson right. pushed. Yeah. And I bit off all my nails. Oh, are you holding yourself, uh, are you kind of beating yourself up about it, about what happened? It's, yeah, I think it's helping me to talk about it. I feel less afraid yeah. because I feel like I'm not yeah. alone. Yeah, it happened to Cherie. That's amazing yeah. that that happened to mm. both of us. I hope that we're yeah. helping listeners by talking about this. I was told That's never it. call a phone number that appears in an email. Yeah. Right. Always go to you know the website of the person you're calling, the people you're calling, and sure you have the real phone number because that's what happens. Yeah, you might, want to, call, you might want to call PayPal too and tell them that that there's somebody out there scamming because they can follow up on it as well. You know what I mean? I did tell them. I did tell them everything. Okay. I told PayPal everything. Because yeah. sometimes I've and I'm going to you know, report it. The FBI five. has a good. Because I, I had some social security scams that called me up, and then I had one number that called me up, and it says, left it on my answering machine. It says, you are wanted. There's a warrant out for arrest. You need to call this number, you know. And I'm like, hey, you know, you know, I'm calling no number, you know. And then another one, uh, 
uh, this is Social Security, and uh, we got a problem because Social Security won't be getting your checks unless you call this number. You know, and that was a big scam for a long time. And they're still doing it because other people pick up. And they're, you know, a lot of those Social Security ones. You know, and then I got a thing, I got an email. No, I got a phone call that said, no, an email, I think it was, that said, my mom was in another country, and I, she couldn't get out of the country to forward her some money because she lost her money. And I'm like, there ain't no way my mom's going to another country. <laughs> you know, she barely left the state of Texas. <laughs> and, right. But no, it was a scam, and people did say, and I need to get their relatives. And, you know, they just have to send out a hundred things, you know, and this one lady got a phone call, and they said, um, I said, your son is trying to get home, and he's in a certain country, whatever. Here's where, you know, you send the money and everything, and, and get him out of jail, or I don't know what the hell it was. And so they, she says, what's my son's name? And they says, well, don't you know his name? And she says, I know his name. Do you know his name? And they hung up on her. Mm. Yeah. So they were just out of the blue, just calling people, hoping they had a son. That might be in might be in another country that you know, or they might have thought went to another country and is in jail and trying to get out and we're gonna give their bank number. But yeah, there there's a lot out there and, and you know, we just unfortunately there are people like that out there, you know. There are good people and there are people that are not good at all. That's right. Like I it's said, hard you know, for me to remember uh, that because I just always yeah. trust everyone. I do too. And most of the I time have, you can, you know, but Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think trust has to be earned and I never knew that, you know. I just start learning that it has to be earned. Right. I don't just trust people right off the bat anymore, but I used to. And and it's put me in a lot of bad positions. And not, I, I not to say too. I blame myself, you know, because, uh, you know, I always say, you know, I don't have any regrets because I only acted the way I did with the information I had at the time. You know, in growing up, I got bad information and outright lied to, <laughs> you know. And, and today I make better choices, but it's only because I learned from my past mistakes, you know, and I could be beating myself up about it, but that's not going to help me go forward, you know. Um, right. I got to forgive myself, you know, and say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to approach this a different way next time. I learned something. There you go. So please don't beat yourself up because you, you, you don't, those people are bad people and a lot of bad things happen to good people. You know? Right. And, and <laughs> anybody, I don't care how smart you are, anybody can be fooled. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, That's too. True. There was like an inkling in the back of my mind. It would like cross my mind that, oh, I hope this isn't crossed. You know, but it's like, no, yep. I wouldn't. My mind wouldn't grasp it. Yeah, maybe it is, you know. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think a lot of us that don't think that way don't come to that conclusion, you know. <laughs> right. Right. You know, or if it hasn't happened in the past or we haven't heard about it happening specifically the same way to somebody else, you know. Um, but, but yeah, you know, the, I had this one guy kept going in a meeting and kept saying, 
bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people and kept saying it, you know. So it got to me one one week and I says, you know what? I just want to know how bad I was as an infant that I got raped by my biological father. Exactly. And I started, never said it again. I must have been a really bad baby. And I always believed that. I always believed I must have been an awful baby that my parents didn't even want me. That, yep, you know, right. That's what my that's what my grandma told me. Because my mom sent me living my grandma. She said your parents didn't want you. We had to take you. Yeah. Aww. She killed. Me. I didn't. Even, I thought they were my awful. parents. Well, the neighbor kid told me, and I went home crying. And my grandma said, "Yeah, we're your grandparents, and we had to take you. Your mom was going to adopt you. Anybody else in Louisiana who wanted you, so we had to take you. And I had a really good job and." I had to quit the job, and, you know, we had to move into this old shack. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, blame for it all. Well, all the time. Well, it wasn't your fault. The up, the heat up, the water bills up, you know, all that. Yeah, all my fault. <laughs> A burden my whole life, I felt. I didn't feel like deserve to breathe there or you take up space in the world, you know, or eat or anything. Right. You know. So of course I was a perfect target for bullying. <laughs> Cuz I already had all that, you know, I think, you know. Like that Absolutely. You know, bullies look for Bullies look for kids who are already broken. And they do that because uh, the more the kid is broken, the yeah. least likely they are to fight back. That's the same thing with mm. sexual predators you know, and, and child abusers. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for those kids that, you know, are lost or are looking for right. something that don't have it in their homes or don't, you know, have it in their lives or whatever or can make something look more appealing than what they have. You know, to lure them in and to groom them. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And then we blame ourselves, and often they blame us. <laughs> you know, which is absolutely blaming ourselves. Right. Like my dad said, I couldn't help it. You're just so beautiful, you know. So I said, well, I'm going to cut up my face and... uh and he goes, boy, that's a lot of power I got. And I said, well, I'm just going to kill myself. And he started laughing really hideously. He said, I can't believe I'm going to kill my daughter. If I have you where I want you, now I can have my way. We were in a van, and he drove to a deserted road and took me in the back. They were raping me at the van. And uh, I thought for sure he was going to kill me and leave me out in the woods. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he made me sign a sexual slave contract. He was in S&M. My therapist said if I hadn't gotten away from him when I did, he probably would have killed me because it was getting more and more extreme, the torture, you know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And was he ever prosecuted or no? Well, he actually was not for that because um, – he basically said, yeah, I did all those things to her, but she's not my daughter anyway, and she signed this contract that, you know, it was that, yeah, she's an adult. 
she agreed to this S&M contract, and I was this, you know, sign his flight contract and all this stuff under his orders, of course. And uh, But what he got charged on is um, when I was 17 years old, um, my mom and him got back together with my brothers, and he had taken me out to the woods um, in this abandoned trailer. My mom was in the house and heard me screaming across the woods in the house, and I was inside a trailer, and he was abusing me, raping me anally. And uh, she came uh, running across the woods and opened the door and says, what the F is going on in here? And he says, uh, none of your goddamn business. Get the F out of here. And so she took off. And all I could think is she would get a baseball bat or call the police, you know. And she didn't. And then that night he orchestrated the three of us together. And uh, oh. so that is actually what he got charged for because I was 17, so it was incest, you know. And so my mother... He said, well, I'm not her father anyway, so they flew my mom in from um, Texas to uh, do blood, blood work with him. He had to do blood work, too, and, of course, you know, they called me in 99.9%. He's my father, and, you know, so I was telling my mom that, and she goes, oh, by the way, did they tell you whether or not I was your mother? <laughs> She's, you know, always coming up with the crap. <clears throat> you know, they always know who the mother is to make half kids in the hospital. <laughs> So anyway, um, what happened was um, he was when, when he was first he was arrested and put in jail to begin with when I escaped, and then um, his mother bailed out because he was going to lose his job and she wanted him to lose his job, and uh, then um, he was court ordered to ther- to a sexual predator's therapy, which in my opinion they all just sit around and talk about what they did to kids or whatever, and uh, get ideas of how not to get caught the next time or get ideas on how to, you know, abuse a kid more. And um, after three years, they called me up and says, uh, well, yeah, he graduated from therapy. Like that was, just, I don't know, was I supposed to give him a party? I don't know what the hell. But anyway, um, and I told him I meeting him experience of what he had done to me, which I thought was, you know, at the time measured it. And... Uh, they said, oh, my God, he never told us that. And I go, well, I'm surprised, <laughs> you know. And, and that guy goes, well, if you'd have come in here when we asked you to, and this is when they first started the therapy with them, you know, if you'd have come in here and confronted him when we asked you to, then we would have known all that. They wanted me to go in a sexual offenders group in front of all these sexual offenders, and I just escaped from him to confront him and tell him what he did to me and how it affected me. <laughs> I was in a ended up in a psychiatric ward and I could not put three words together and they had to medicate me so much to just even function at all. So I've come a long way from that point and that was when I was 21, I'm 61 now and I'm still working on shit, you know, still healing. I'll probably be, I'm not probably, I know I'll be healing until my last breath because it's, you know, it stays with you. It doesn't just go away. Right. You know. And that's no, what the support helps with, you know, it's it's like, you know, this happened to me as a child and this happened to me as an adult and this happened to me like you were saying, Annie, it's happening now, whatever, and this is how I'm feeling and it's bringing up these memories and that's what the kind of stuff we deal with in the support group. And then how can right. we, you know take our power back and how can we feel good about ourselves and 
how can we tell ourselves <clears throat> today we have choices where we didn't have when we were children, you know? And what choices do we have? What do we have power over? What we don't we have power over? You know? Absolutely. And one of the things I have power over is to help other people, you know? Either help people like I was helped or to help people that how I wasn't helped, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. You know, they didn't have no, they didn't have no uh, child abuse support groups. Matter of fact, they court ordered him to therapy. They court ordered me to therapy. <laughs> well, that you know, was probably helpful, though, wasn't it? Well, I know, but it wasn't. It wasn't that way back then. It was like you have a daughter, and you're going to abuse your daughter because you were abused. I mean, that's the only reason when we go to therapy. It wasn't to help me. It was to make sure I wasn't going to abuse my kid, so they'd keep an eye on me. <laughs> So it's like I was automatically targeted to be a perpetrator, you know. I wasn't, but I, that was pretty much put on me because I was abused. And I, I, and I told, you know. And that's one reason why a lot of people didn't want to tell back then. Also, because people think they were going to be a bad parent if they had been abused. And, and that was a thought. That was a belief. So a lot has changed, I have to say. We're talking about it now. We're having conversations about it, you know. There were no conversations mm-hmm. like this, you know, about any of this. Right. And I think that's part of NASCA is just get these conversations going, especially on the Blog Talk Radio show, you know, that we can switch, yeah. we can switch topics with what's, what's going on in people's lives or, you know, what, what springs up from what we're talking about. And... Uh, to me, that's really helpful. Well, I'll tell you one thing that is really helpful, and that's talking about it instead of just shoving it down and biting my nails. Talking yes. about it has really helped me. I feel less afraid now. I feel like, okay, I could go outside. I'm not afraid. But for a minute there, I was afraid. Yeah. Yeah. It really triggered my old terror. Sure. Yeah, that's what trauma does. You know? When something happens that reminds you of, you know, being victimized, and it happens again, it brings back all that stuff. You know? Oh, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. every time, uh, like when when I went through a second stint of bullying at work in my late 30s, it would always bring back the bullying I suffered at school. Yep. Yeah. And I... So how did, how did you deal with it at work then? Oh, oh, I stood up for myself at work, and I, I didn't care. You know, I was older, so mm-hmm. I didn't care what it may cost, what it might have cost me. Right. Not only that, I kept a CYW file. If, if you and know what that, that means, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's 
a cover your ASS file. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. what yeah. I would do is I would take my cell phone, I would take pictures of all of my finished work, uh, I would also, uh, I had a, ref- you know, back then you had uh, flip phones, and uh, you could, you know, record any calls. Yeah. And I even took a recording device to work. Mm-hmm. And recorded a lot of it. So, you know, I would, I did my own investigations. I gathered my own evidence. Luckily, mm-hmm. I didn't have to use it. Right. But I kept it just in case mm-hmm. I did. And I didn't tell anyone that I had it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know we had one woman that was a better woman and um, recorded um, um, her husband not only threatening her but assaulting her and raping her. And she put it in. And the law in that state was that you couldn't record anybody unless you got permission on the tape to record them. And they threw it out of the um, evidence, and they um, charged her with a felony. So you got to check your laws. See, that's ridiculous. It is, but there's some Those are ridiculous laws. I know it. They're horrible. (laughs) So you need to check Those are ridiculous laws. Yeah. Now, my state, it's a one-party consent state. Right, so is Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So people want to check into yeah. that before you're going to be recording, you know, that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You have to make sure the laws in your state allow you yep. to do that. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned that in several of my blogs, you uh-huh. know, about recording and uh, having a body cam if necessary. Mm-hmm. And, but I also I I put a disclaimer in my blog and said just make sure that you know what the laws in your jurisdiction are. Yeah, that's why I want to mention that on on the show to make sure that people do do that before they're you know recording. But it's it's insane. See, they shouldn't have charged her with a felony. That that <laughs> law was ridiculous. They threw the evidence out of court, too, so that she couldn't prove nothing, you know. Yeah. Right. But I, I wanted that, to bring up, you know, for me, I was living in assisted living, um, I would think it was three years ago, three and a half years ago, and I got a service dog, and I told them three months before I was getting it. And they go, oh, you want to get a dog? And I go, no, I'm getting a service animal. And uh, they said, um, uh uh, you can't have a dog here. And I said, well, I have a psychiatrist letter. I'm getting a service animal. And then the one lady goes, but you're not blind. <laughs> and I said, well, the Americans with Disabilities Act says I can get one um, if I have a psychiatrist um, approval for post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, they were arguing up and down, and I got the dog, and the director came in and screamed at me and um this went on for two and a half years. They tried to kick me out twice. My daughter intervened. Well, they kept trying to kick me out, but the owner was in there screaming at me along with the director, another staff member. 
and my dog was a nervous wreck, and I had to have a disability law attorney write three letters. Um, and still, to the very end, they were trying to kick me out, and that's why my son got me this place. Because, you know, I got suicidal. Um, my daughter is a director of a dual dependency program, or was, in Minnesota here. And uh, I put on Facebook, I'm giving away all my stuff, which is like red flags to her, you know. They tried to call me for three days. I wouldn't answer the phone. Surprised I didn't do a welfare check because they've done that on me. <laughs> and anyway, <clears throat> I found out that, um, that I can sue them um, on my own. I've tried to talk to some attorneys, but they don't even understand the Americans with Disabilities Act if you're not blind or a veteran or, you know, all these other things that people know. But I had two other service animals that I ended up having to get up, give up because I ended up going into the hospital and I couldn't keep them and I couldn't find nobody to keep them. And uh, I, I just relived all that at the same time. And, uh, yeah. And I felt all those feelings all over again of all the victimization that that I had, you know, just all kept coming back. I took for, you know, the only reason I kept fighting is, you know, because I wanted to keep my dog. <laughs> and I still right. got him, and he's got a yard, and he's running around, and I just got a five-month-old puppy, little girl. And my life is, like I said, completely different. But every day when I would get so upset with them, I couldn't even eat in the main area because I just was so nervous. I'd go down and get my meds. They didn't want them in the med room, and I had to fight that. You know, it was like every time I turned around, I had to fight it. They said, well, we're not doing your housekeeping because they're allergic to your dog. And I said, well, first of all, according to Americans with Disabilities Act, you have to. That's, you know, you got to find somebody. And besides, it's a hyperallergenic dog, you know, and uh, only 1% of the world's allergic to them. And then I also said, um, I have all, and I told her this from the beginning, I have the papers, I photocopied everything, highlighted it, underlined it, everything else for them. And they said, we don't want to look at your goddamn papers, you know? And so it was just, you know, and then I said, he can come down to the med room. And she goes, well, you're going to start making the rules around here now? And I said, it's in the Americans with Disabilities Act, anywhere that the main public can go, you know, he can go. And no, 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 no. So I'd write to my attorney. And then when the owner came in and the director and this other staff that were screaming at me, I wrote an um, email to my attorney and I wrote urgent in the subject line <laughs> and briefly described what happened. And she called me back and that was the third. That was the third letter. Right. But I found out I can do a lawsuit myself. I'm trying to find the notes because every time I went upstairs, I wrote down who said what, did what, what time and everything. And all my stuff got packed up, and I can't find all those notes, you know. I got so many papers mm-hmm. that just got all jammed together, and I've moved so many times that I just got a whole garage full of stuff. I don't even know where nothing got put. But I'm trying to get something in chronological order so I don't go in front of the judge and just, you know, babble. Right. Well, it's good that you kept documentation of that. Yeah. Because well, this is the definitely fact that I was a law attorney, knowing that she had to keep writing letters because of, you know, the way that they were treating me, I, I called them up and they sent me all the information, even the documents that I had that she had me send, like the lease, the um, uh, service animal paper for my psychiatrist that said I could have him, 
all the vet records, you know, everything. She sent me all that that I had sent her. She said, do you want it all or do you just want the stuff that we did? And I said, well, if you could send me all of it, I'd appreciate it. She said, I don't have to dig it up myself. You know, so I have all that. But, I don't, you know, I don't have all the other stuff. But I can pretty much target a lot of the baits, you know. Right. To what was going on. Just by when the attorney got involved. Right. Well, I was surprised to call the, I called the Minnesota Law Center and they gave me the Disability Law Center number and I thought I'm never going to be able to do this. It's going to take forever to, for them to call me back. The next day I got a phone call. The lady said, I'm your attorney and I will get a letter written out and it'll be there tomorrow. And it was certified. And they still, they didn't care. We don't care. You know, this is our place. The owner does not want that dog here. You can't just bring a dog into a building, you know, (laughs) because you want to. (laughs) And then, you know, they they wouldn't renew my lease. And uh, she said, if I'd known you are going to have a dog when you moved in here, you'd never moved in in the first place. I said, you can't kick me out because of my service animals. So a week later to come up with, you don't qualify for our services. So it was during COVID, my daughter called the owner and said, you can't kick my mom out because of COVID. And so they didn't. So the next year, my lease came up, and uh, they were going to kick me out. So my daughter goes, give me the owner's number again. I don't know what I did with it. And so she called the mom and says, I hear you're going to kick my mom out again. Yep. And she says, well, last year she said it was because you don't qualify for your ser- her serv- your services. And they said, yep, that's right. And she says, well, that's really interesting. You've been getting caddy waiver money from the federal government, and my mom hasn't qualified for her services for a whole year. <laughs> Pulled that out of her back pocket. Uh, Chuck them up. But they had these wonderful menus on the wall, you know, like three home-cooked meals a day, and we never got none of it. We got like a corn dog and eight chips, and it was horrible. I took pictures of the meals that they served us and everything. Nobody would come in from the health department because it was during COVID. They wouldn't even let your family and friends or workers in. So nobody could really see what was going on. And I called my right. caddy worker, and she said, this is, I'm getting calls from all of my people because um, all these places are going downhill because they know nobody's checking on them. Right. And like my daughter said, you know, they open these places up because they see that federal government money coming in. And these people are driving beautiful cars and going on vacations all the time. And, you know. Right. We're barely making it with $104 a month. I'm going to the Dollar Tree to try to supplement food. I, I was losing weight really sick. I kept having doctor's letters that said I needed a nutritious diet and pff, nothing. They My goodness. Our meds. At the time our meds weren't there. Other times I'd say, where are the meds? And I called, one time I had a, one time I was out of my inhaler for five days and I called the, the actual drug place. I knew where they're getting the medications from. She goes, we already sent those out. And I went and told the nurse and, and she's like, we don't have them. We don't have them. And I go, you've got them. They've got to be somewhere. And so she goes, oh, maybe they're in the backup. And sure enough, they were. And this was, this happened so many times. I was missing meds. The nurse was supposed to put them in the boxes. Well, the staff was taking them out of the packages and giving them to us. And even the one staff said, we're not supposed to be doing this. If the health department came in and see us doing this, they'd have shut this place down. And she was going butt to butt all the time, toe-to-toe all the time with the, the director about all this stuff. They didn't have any activities. They wouldn't let me go on any outings because they didn't want my service animal in their vehicle. 
There's a lot. <laughs> wow. That's just well, heartbreaking. Six minutes left. <laughs> I guess we should probably get close to wrapping up. It kind of took away from your show, but I think we hit on some points of how this stuff that happens in our childhood uh, continues to linger on. And, you know, I just kept right. having to get support from people that that were supportive. You know, I had a lot of people, well, you said you should be having the service. Well, I mean, uh, I don't think people with um, health problems, it's got to be an emotional support animal. And I said, I know a lot of had a service animal had two service animals before and I lost them. I know what the laws are and I have it all copied out and underlined in this and that. So if I do end up getting any money, um, I want to start a, uh, a web thing on uh, helping people with uh, PTSD um, to find out rights about getting a service animal. And even a psychiatrist just give me emotional support animal and I put in documentation to that doctor and said, this this is what it is. And the only thing is, the um, only rule is that having PTSD and that the service dog is there to calm you if you have an anxiety or a panic attack, and that is it. They don't have to be trained. They don't have to have a vest. They don't have to have a certificate. None of that. None. And you can have them in assisted living. You can have them in any place where you can take them out to the bathroom. Right. You know, it can even go in an ambulance with you. I had a patch on my my service dog's vest that says, do not separate um, service animal from owner. Right. And my, my disability logically said, it's just like I'm saying if you were in a wheelchair, we don't like wheelchairs and you can't have your wheelchair. She goes, you need a service animal just like somebody in a wheelchair. And that's the end of it. <laughs> right. To put it, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a long fight. And then, you know, to do anything about it, it takes all that going back through it, you know, and all the emotions that come along with remembering to try to put something together to, to take action against these people. And then the fear in the back of your mind that, you know, Maybe if I fight and do all this work and put all this work into it, nothing's going to happen anyway. So, yeah, there's a lot of, lot that goes into it. I can understand I've got that. I've got a lot of support from my therapist, my psychiatrist, one of my friends that, you know, have been through it, that know me now and, you know, have heard my story and are supporting me. Yeah. Let me just talk about it. Tonight has helped, you know. Again, he was saying just kind of breaking that silence. I understand. Mm-hmm. We've only got two more minutes. Oh, my. Okay, well... Um, thanks everybody for listening and all the shows are archived. Again, we're on, um, scan number 3162. That means we got 3,162 episodes that you could listen to. And, uh, we invite you to come on the show, uh, tell your story, be part of the panel, uh, give somebody a call. You never have to be alone again because we're here and we care 
and uh you know uh god bless uh everyone and uh we're all doing our best and god bless all the children in the world and protect them all so with that we will close out thanks everybody um thanks, thanks annie you, and thanks to Ray. all right thanks, have a good Marie. evening bye yeah okay bye Another morrow Cause that's gone away